Welcome to the Global Venture and Review Podcast. My name's James Mawson, founder and editor-in-chief of our three publications, Global Corporate Venturing, Global Government Venturing, and Global University Venturing. It's a great pleasure to be back on the podcast after a few weeks of travel and uh, our GCV symposium at the end of May. It's nice to be here, but unfortunately, Thierry Hellis isn't with us from editor of Global University Venturing. He's busy cracking through all the news and keeping on top while Rob Levine, news editor from GCV, is away. So thanks for that, Thierry, and uh, great pleasure for me to be here. It's been quite a busy week. I mentioned our symposium was the end of May and uh, the sort of the insights and thought leadership from it is still being shared in many ways. We've just done a, uh, a sort of a review of the Artificial Intelligence Roundtable that was held under Chatham House rules and discussions, as you would expect. Machine learning and artificial intelligence dominated much of that discussion, beyond the usual concern. There's also a lot of potential lurking for everyone, particularly in the media sector, where Professor Max Tegmark, in his Life 3.0 book, talks about how media could be the sort of target of focus if we do ever get to uh, an artificial general intelligence. Also mentioning is that Thierry did a great review of Global University Ventures Fusion 2018, part of the symposium which had many of the highlights, including the Global University Venturing Awards, with lifetime achievement to Alison Campbell. So congratulations to her. We'll be obviously having a look at the concurrent tracks between our Venture Houston conference in November 8th and 9th, where the universities, particularly those around the US, will be coming together for their power list. Conversations in conjunction with the GCV part of the conference, which has a particular focus on energy, given given the oil and gas and renewables and other interesting areas that are happening in Texas. So a lot to look forward to, but uh, be remiss of me not to also mention that we've heard some of the insights from Herman Hauser, who's a partner at Amadeus Capital Partners, also leading the charge from the European Commission for the creation of the European Innovation Council, and busy guy that he is. He's also helping the UK government think through technology transfer best practices. We'll, we'll wait his report later this year on the latter on the tech transfer. But one of the insights from it, in, uh, he mentioned in a webcast by Science Business, is that he would expect there to be more formulaic in a tech transfer. Could be a bit controversial, I foresee, but uh, his view is very much that uh, universities given away their IP for 5% for, of the equity of a startup company you know, will make things a lot quicker conversation's a bit speedier and allow the startup to get going, which uh, he thinks is the priority. And then if university is providing a lot of added value or services beyond that to the startup, then any extra equity should be negotiated in a free competition with VCs or angels or others that might be able to offer help. In effect, he calls this unbundling. So it'd be interesting to see what else he would be expecting. But uh, do take a look at that piece. And then the final part, which mentioned is that Herman is helping develop the European Innovation Council, which is kind of a follow-on from the European Research Council, which has had a great success in focus on excellent. But the EIC, or the European Innovation Council, is a big push from the European Commission as part of its next budget, which will start in 2021 run to 2027. That was published back end of last week. And they're targeting 100 billion dollars, or 100 billion euros, sorry, for that innovation part of what is called Horizon Europe, that seven-year program. But one of the things that I found quite interesting, if you, you know, if you look at the, uh, the speakers at the Science Business Conference, and given that I'll be talking in Bulgaria, given that they're president of the European Council this six-month period, I'll be in Bulgaria next week. So, thank you for anyone going there, and also if you've got any insights. 
on some of the key issues on how to get ahead in terms of innovation capital, the venture capital piece, how they can collaborate between corporates and VCs and other actors, the rise, obviously, of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, and uh, what we need to be doing to get in the head and supporting the portfolio companies, how their five needs of, in effect, capital, customers, product development, hiring, and exit, are actually make venture capital or innovation capital a, a service industry. And focusing on that and what they need to pull together a syndicate to help those is, uh, seems to be the next, uh, the next evolution. One of the things that Herman did say in his, in his webcast is that Europe, while it's doing well in terms of the entrepreneurship coming out of the universities, could do a bit better in terms of tech transfer in general. But one of the areas that he did notice was that there's no shortage of startups. What perhaps is missing is a little bit of the later stage capital, the 50 million plus participants, those who can provide that sort of check size in and around to really help these companies scale up. Perhaps worth he had half an eye on what's been happening in the US and Asia, and in particular over the past week, Ant Financial, which was reported last month to have closed a jaw-dropping $10 billion funding round of the $150 billion valuation. That would have been the largest ever round of the largest ever valuation for a private company. Turns out those reports were wrong. In fact, Ant Financial has raised a mind-blowing $14 billion. Gone from jaw-dropping to mind-blowing, it's that big around. From investors including two Singapore government-owned entities, GIC and Temasek. Alipay, the digital payment app of Ant Financial that dominates the Chinese market, basically in collaboration and conjunction with one of its major shareholders, Alibaba, has put its arms around the world. And it's also a very active corporate venture in the union itself, just like Alibaba. And it's set to be one of the key focuses for all that money. Ant Financial is keen on launching a global expansion, beginning with several neighbouring countries in Asia. So we'll expect to hear more about that later on. More focus on their corporate venture insights. We've seen CGTZ has uh, raised $359 million in its Series D round. The Geo Jade Petroleum has led the D round for Kayogan Tuzi, as CGTZ is known, which also featured a range of unnamed existing investors. And when you think of video streaming services, your first thought in the West might be YouTube. But it's far from the only platform. The one region is a plethora of different offerings is in Southeast Asia. Bigo, a live driven platform based in Singapore, has now raised $272 million in its Series D funding round to further drive its growth. The round was led by another video platform, YY. Not only does the investment make YY the company's biggest shareholder, the corporate will also have the option to wholly acquire Bigo a year after the Series D closes which would provide an exit to other backers, including Ping An. Yes, the insurance company for video is still a big deal. Another sector that boasts a wide range of offerings is bike sharing and Lime, previously known as Limebike. We'll hope that a $250 million is reportedly trying to raise from investors, including GV, formerly known as Google Ventures, will help it stay ahead of competitors. The company was previously rumoured to be seeking a total of $500 million in equity and debt. It appears the latter finance has been put on hold for unknown reasons. Existing shareholders in Lime include NGP Capital, uh, Nokia Growth Partners, as was, and Stanford StartX Fund, the affiliate uh, to Stanford University. And blockchain has been all the range for a while. One company hoping to make its mark on the sector is Hyperchain Technologies, which has raised $234 million in a round led by real estate developer Xinghu Zhongbao. Existing shareholders include Foson, Sunyard System Engineering, and Sigma Technology, and Lian Lian Pei, although it's unclear how much money they put in or 
when it might be invested. Of note that Block.1 has uh, raised the equivalent of $4 billion in its uh, cryptocurrency or its initial coin offering, which uh, just indicates what can be achieved. And uh, given that Block.1 has yet to actually formally launch its product, uh, it's certainly got a, a substantial war chest to, uh, to do various things. So uh, blockchain is indeed uh, pretty fully out there when it comes to market appeal. Still, in other news, despite all the furore around Facebook's dubious approach to their users' privacy, there is still a lot to be made in social media. Dataminer, which has developed technology to detect, classify and determine the significance of public information on social media in real time, has raised more than $380 million after attracting 221 from an as-yet-unnamed backers. Fidelity and Credit Suisse previously backed a 130 million Series D in 2015. So, Honest Company, the ethical household beauty and baby products business launched by actress Jessica Alba, appears to be on an upwards trajectory again after receiving $200 million from El Capitan, private equity firm co-founded by LVMH, the luxury goods maker. Money comes ahead of Honest launching its beauty products in seven European countries through a partnership with retailer Douglas. Follows a Fidelity-led 75 million Series E round last year that slashed Honest valuation from 1.7 billion to less than a billion after a string of bad PR and lawsuits. Around just how honest the company was about its ingredients. And in other deals, uh, still in the large round area of 100 billion plus, My Republic restates its Series C intention. The Sinar Mass back company has nearly doubled its size of its Series C round to almost $112 million to secure in $60 million from CLSA and Cabot Capital Funds. Alibaba, which not only is content with watching Ant Financial's success, is planting the Babytree funding. Alibaba has purchased the 10% stake in Babytree to value the e-commerce platform at $2.2 billion. Pintech has processed $103 million round. Sina, the uh, Chinese media company, has co-led the round for Pintech, which focuses on retail financial services. And Tianqian Piash has geared up for $100 million. Auto Home has made the strategic investment in the used car auction platform, whose backers also include SoftBank, SIG, Tencent and BitAuto. Slightly lower, but still above $50 million, we've got Kung Lu, which has stored $93 million in its Series D round. Western Digital is jointly consorting investors led by BlackRock for the 93 million round. Sutravax has diagnosed $85 million in its Series D. Pivotal BioVenture Partners and Roche have both returned back a Series C round for Sutravax, which has also added TPG, Medici and Foresight Capital to its shareholders. Get has hitched $80 million to its ride. The Volkswagen and Access Industries has support Get's latest fund around the value dividing business at $1.4 billion. Nashwork has found space for $78 million in its Series B plus round. Kunlun-backed Nashwork has attracted the money, which is also backed by Sino Ocean Group. Danke thanks investors for another $70 million. Bertelsmann Asia Investors was among the return investors in the $70 million Series B plus round, which followed the initial $100 million B in February. Nimbus has lighted up a $65 million round. All existing shelves, including Pfizer, GlaxoSmithKline, Eli Lilly and Schrodinger, are participating in the funding round. Why Metacrine has broken down a $65 million Series C round. Lilly Asia Ventures and existing investor Alexandra Venture Investments have taken part in the C round for the Metabolic Disease Treatment Development. Bluevine has grown with its 60 million Series E round. Bluevine, which is backed by Rakuten City, will use the money to expand its product offering 
and accelerate recruitment of its research and development team. And Avi Networks, its way to $60 million. Avi Network has received $60 million in an oversubscribed Series B round of features. Long-time partner Cisco's corporate venture now, a new investor. And on the Global University Venture, we've seen uh, an interesting deal in Enyo has latched onto a 46.8 million Series B round. Burnout has backed support from Interim Transfert Initiative and two BPI France managed funds for its clinical stage therapy for hepatitis B. So that's uh, money out and some of the larger deals on the exit funds. Uh, Kwashu uh, has enjoyed an ACFUN acquisition. Kwashu has acquired ACFUN, which reported earlier this year to have wound down, but in fact experienced a major server crash. And while I mentioned that Rob might be touring Europe at the moment, that hasn't stopped the news continuing uh, to flow on some of the IPOs. Neon Therapeutics is among the latest to file for an IPO, hoping to raise $150 million to support several clinical trials. Nistan will provide access to shareholders including Farm Standard International and Access Industries. And in other IPO news, we've seen Domo, a business optimization software provider backed by enterprise software developer Salesforce and marketing firm WPP. It's targeted in $100 million in proceeds from its initial public offering. The company is using the offering as a way for avoiding reduced operations, despite emerging from stealth. The $200 million Series D round in 2015 has been making heavy month losses and money is running out fast. Home24 designs its IPO pricing. The company will sell approximately 7.7 million shares in mid-20s range, valuing the rocket internet-backed business at about $618 million to $758 million, according to its current range. Neuronetetics has eased into its IPO filing. Neuronetics has filed for an 86.3 million initial public offering on Nasdaq to offer access to Pfizer, GE and Extension. And Xiaomi's uh, eagerly rated IPO, which is already noteworthy for its 10 billion target, becomes even more interesting as an emerging company will undertake a jewelry Issuing the majority of its shares in Hong Kong, it's expecting and offering up to 30% in mainland China through Chinese depository receipts. Xiaomi is uh, targeting an IPO for early to mid-July, but will be dependent on China's regulated easing rules around CDRs, which were initially meant to be published only in this month. And despite a flurry of meal delivery boxes, it seems there's still pace for another one to go public. This one has a twist. Marley Spoon, the Germany-based on food delivery service backed by e-commerce group Rocket Internet, giving up for a 53 million IPO in Australia. The company is one in Marley Spoon's largest market and one that is actually broken even. Marley Spoon's equity funding currently stands at just 32 million. The company will use the IPO as a way of ensuring business growth without knocking the doors on Sandhill Road in Silly Crab. And we mentioned Pfizer a couple of times already, and perhaps there's no coincidence that Pfizer, which isn't exactly a new player in the corporate venture in space, but one of the high, most highly regarded through Barbara Dalton and Elaine Jones, among the rest of the team, including Debbie Harlan, has launched its Pfizer investments using it back in 2004, but it's clearly embracing the current boom by putting another $600 million towards the CBC efforts to take it more than a billion with approximately 150 million of the new 600 million dedicated to neuroscience startups. Pfizer moved away from the space in terms of its direct R&D and so seems to have outsourced some of that initiative. And to top it off, Pfizer Venture Investments has also combined R&D equity investment vehicle R&D Innovate to form a new division called Pfizer Ventures, which will have more than 1 billion under management, as mentioned. The larger division will also mean a need for more help, so 
Pines Ventures has added Dennis Patrick, Laszlo Kiss, Margie McLaughlin, Chris O'Donnell and Nicola Tripovich to the team, which will continue to be led by Dalton. Also on the fun raisins, Lockie Martin, which hired Chris Moran a while ago. There's uh, doubling the size of its CBC unit, Lockie Martin mentions, to $200 million. Key interest for the unit will be early stage startups in the area of sensor technologies, autonomy, artificial intelligence and cyber technology. It's already revealed the first investment from the new Cash 2, Entopology, a US-based development of computer-aided design software. And real estate is ripe for disruption too, and that's led property manager JLL to enter the corporate venture space with a 100 million commitment to his new unit, JLL Spark, which was revealed this week but actually founded last year. Unit's first two investments are unusual and they aren't actually startups. One is a late stage fund, Navitas Capital, and the other is an accelerator program, Metaprop. We've also seen in the logistics space, the two big players, PSA and CMA, have uh, sort of set up an MOU in order to collaborate in terms of logistics deals, which I think will be interesting to watch. But uh, PSA's Unboxed and Zbox from CMA are two of the more interesting initiatives out there in logistics. So we'll be uh, we'll following that one closely. Kind of connected to logistics, but more on the ride-hailing side, Grab has launched Grab Ventures, which is set to make 8 to 10 investments over the next two years and has an established an accelerator called Velocity. And also in Asia, Huobi and Kaiwoon has launched a $93 million fund. They've joined forces with New Margin Capital to launch the blockchain-focused investment fund. On the big tickets on that side, given that we mentioned Block.1's 4 billion round, Binance has financed a $1 billion fund. The cryptocurrency exchange has revealed $1 billion will be invested in blockchain technology developments and cryptocurrency startups. We'll be interested to see how that one goes. Ystar has raised $180 million. The independent VC firm has Boyola, the Capital, Group ABP, Ubisoft and Unisys among the limited partners in its second fund. And on the University Venturing Fund, Ripple, which is one of, one of the more interesting plays in terms of the next generation fintechs, will pour $50 million into R&D at 17 academic institutions, including institutions in the US, UK, India and Brazil. So, interesting to see that one. And also in Latin America, UCR, or UC Riverside, has partnered the No Hub Chile Partnership to help Chile conduct better research and tech transfer. My colleague Tim Lafferty will be over in uh, Chile later this month, actually, as that happens. So, I'll be uh, giving a uh, talk there. So, if you're in Chile, let us know. And if you're in Brazil, we mentioned that, given Ripple's uh, our partnership with Apex Brazil for the Corporate Venture in Brazil conference in October will be the first week, so if you're interested in joining a delegation to there, please let me know. That's all for me, so thank you very much for the, for the past week. I will sign off with a quick mention of our Alexa briefing, which is the voice-activated service. So thanks all for the past week. Speak soon, everyone. Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.